Chapter 20 of Hands of Iceland by Victor Hugo. Translated by Abby Langdon Alger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonia. Chapter 20 Leonardo. The king requires your presence. Henrique. How so? Lope da Vega. La Fuerza Lastinosa. General Levin de Knut sat at his desk, which was covered with papers and open letters, apparently lost in thought. A secretary stood before him, awaiting his orders. The general now struck the rich carpet beneath his feet with his spurs, and now absently toyed with the decoration of the elephant, hanging about his neck from the collar of the order. Occasionally he opened his lips as if to speak, then stopped, rubbed his head, and cast another glance at the unsealed dispatches littering the table. "'How the devil!' he cried at last. This conclusive exclamation was followed by a brief silence. Who would ever have imagined, he resumed, that those devilish miners would have gone so far? Of course they were secretly egged on to this revolt. But do you know, Waffonet, the thing looks serious. Do you know that five or six hundred scoundrels from the Faroe Islands, headed by a certain old thief named Jonas, have already quitted the mines? that a young fanatic called Norbith has also taken command of the Guldbrandsthal malcontents, that all the hotheads of Sundmoor, Hupfalo, and Kongsberg, who were only waiting the signal, may have risen already. Do you know that the mountaineers have joined the movement, and that they are headed by one of the boldest foxes of Keolan, old Cannibal? And finally, do you know that according to popular report in northern Trondheim, if we are to believe the Lord Mayor who had written me, that notorious criminal upon whose head we have set a price, the much-dreaded Hans, has taken chief command of the insurrection. What do you say to all this, my dear Wauvernet? <laughs> Your Excellency, said Wauvernet, knows what measures. There is still another circumstance connected with this lamentable affair, which I cannot explain. That is how our prisoner Schumacher can be the author of the revolt as they claim. This seems to surprise no one, but it surprises me more than anything else. It is hard to believe that a man whose company my faithful ordiner loves can be a traitor. And yet it is asserted that the miners have risen in his name. His name is their watchword. They even give him the titles of which the king deprived him. All this seems certain. But how does it happen that Countess Dahlefeld knew all these details a week ago? at a time when the first real symptoms of trouble had scarcely begun to appear in the mines. It is strange. No matter. I must provide for every emergency. Give me my seal, Wauvernet. The general wrote three letters, sealed them, and handed them to his secretary. See that this message is sent to Baron Votaun, colonel of musketeers, now garrisoned at Munkholm, so that his regiment may march at once to the seat of the revolt. This to the officer in command at Munkholm, an order to guard the ex-chancellor more closely than ever. I must see and question this Schumacher myself. Then dispatch this letter to Skongen, to Major Worm, who is in command there, directing him to send forward a portion of the garrison to the centre of rebellion. Go, Wafone, and see that these orders are executed at once. The secretary went out, leaving the governor plunged in meditation. All this is very alarming, thought he. These miners rebelling in one place, this chancellor intriguing in another, that crazy ordiner, nobody knows where. He may be travelling in the very midst of all these rioters, leaving Schumacher here under my protection to conspire against the state, and his daughter, for whose safety I have been kind enough to remove the company of soldiers to which that Frederick Dahlefeld belongs, 
whom Ordner accuses of. Why, it seems to me that this very company might easily stop the advance columns of the insurgents. It is very well situated for that. Wallstrom, where it is stationed, is near Lake Miosen and Alba Ruin. That is one of the places of which the rebels will be sure to take possession. At this point in his reverie, the general was interrupted by the sound of the opening door. Well, what do you want, Gustavus? General, a messenger asked to speak for a moment with your excellency. Well, what is it now? What fresh disaster! Let the messenger come in. The messenger entered and handed a packet to the governor, saying, From his highness, the viceroy, your excellency. The general hurriedly tore open the dispatch. By St. George! he cried with a start of surprise. I believe that they have all gone mad. If here is not the viceroy requesting me to proceed to Bergen. He says it is on urgent business by order of the king. A fine time this to transact urgent business. The Lord Chancellor, now travelling in the province of Trondheim, will take your place during your absence. <laughs> Here's a substitute in whom I have no confidence. Uh, the bishop will assist him. Really, these are excellent governors that Frederick chooses for a country in a state of revolt. Two gentlemen of the cloth, a chancellor and a bishop. Well, no matter. The invitation is express. It is the order of the king. Needs must obey. But before I go, I must see Schumacher and question him. I am sure that there is a plot to involve me in a network of intrigue. But I have one unerring compass. My conscience. End of chapter 20